1: Welcome inside the Celtics Lab podcast. The Boston Celtics are about to wrap up their West Coast road trip after going 500 for the first four games. We've got a tough one against the Utah Jazz tonight at 10 p.m. Should be a good game. Um, It looks like, let's see, some some news from around the league. Looks like there's going to be an all-star game, even though maybe some high-profile players are opposed to that. Uh, trade rumblings are happening already. Kevin O'Connor and many others are suggesting that the Celtics could be involved. We'll see. And to talk over all of this, we have Playgrounders Mass Esposito here to join us with our usual suspects, Dr. Justin Quinn and Cameron tabata I think that's how I say it.
3: Matt, how are you doing? Hey, everyone. (laughs) I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, you guys. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here and talk some Celtic stuff. I have decided that Peyton
4: Pritchard looks like Vinny from the Jersey shore. And that's been amusing me for like the past hour. So I'm, I'm doing great. Unbelievable
3: find right there. That's
4: yeah. A pretty productive day. I'd say.
3: Did you tweet that out? I'm going to have to look at like, I'm going to have to look that up.
4: Uh, yeah, I did uh, look at a lot of pictures to prove my point and ignored a lot of pictures that definitely didn't prove my point. <laughs>
1: I was really in on Peyton Pritchard looks like Sid from Toy Story. I forget who posted that <laughs> originally, but I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's, that's pretty legit. Dr. Hey. J, what's going on in Mexico City?
2: Uh, well, I don't think my neighbors think I have COVID anymore and that they realize that I just have allergies of some sort. Uh, but this, this Zyrtec stuff that I'm taking seems to be doing the trick, so hopefully I won't be coughing into the microphone today uh, for real this time.
1: Uh, we are not actually plugging Zyrtec, but if they want to sponsor us, please, sure. we, we, we would love that. That would be great. Um, all right, so let's get down to brass tacks. Uh, first, let's go over some just recent news. Um, for starters, the Celtics are currently 2-2 two and two on their West Coast swing uh, with wins against the Golden State Warriors and Los Angeles Clippers and losses to the Sacramento Kings and Phoenix Suns. How are we feeling about those games, fellas?
3: The Phoenix game was one of the most frustrating games, not just because it was it was such a winnable game, um, but it was going to set up a great day. Like I wanted a Celtics win and then to like ease right into the Super Bowl. I mean, and then the Super Bowl, depending on who you root for, but the Super Bowl was kind of a disappointment. So I don't know. The Celtics really let me down, really let me down.
4: This is kind of uh, not related, but I, I think it was on the Hoop Collective. They were saying that for an afternoon tilt, to try to get the PCR testing in as early as possible. The players have to get to the stadium at like 6am to get tested. Yeah. I think
1: you're right about that. I heard that. uh, I think that was, they were covering the Denver nuggets when they had an
4: early game and same is true for them. So to kind of jump the gun going two and two on this West coast game uh, or uh, road trip rather, there's so much, I don't want to say mediocrity because that's unfair for the players, but it's such a hard season to get into rhythm. It's such a, hard season to kind of parse out who's good who's not um, that you can blow the barn doors off of the Clippers in a really awesome way and then look like a heap of crap against the Suns in in short order so uh, it was both encouraging and also validating that this regular season is either the weirdest or the most worthless regular season we've had in a while
1: I think I'm with you there, Cam. It's kind of hard to take away anything super conclusive about this road spin. I will say, I think the Clippers win was arguably the best win of this season for the Celtics. They really looked good. um, And I think uh, Jason Tatum showing that he can take over games on that level is always an encouraging sign. And, you know, I do have to give some credit. Sacramento and Phoenix have both played well above my expectations this year, in particular, uh, I was really impressed by the Kings in that performance. They struck me as a mature, dis- disciplined basketball team that uh, actually has a real identity as opposed to years past. So disappointing to lose for sure. But I'm, I think particularly with the Phoenix game, you know, I, I hate to throw out the platitude of make or miss league, but it definitely felt like that for Phoenix. We had a couple of good looks that just didn't go down.
2: So... I want to push back on that a little bit because at least one player in particular, Jason Tatum, has not really been attempting shots at the rim to the degree that he should be. And to be frank, the entire team isn't particularly uh, with some of the better players being absent at doing that. So I don't know. I I really feel like that is something that we should complain, but even, even saying that uh, I do feel like this was about as good or has been so far as good of a West coast road trip as I expected.
1: Remains to be seen, of course, how things go against Utah tonight. I'm sure that that will be a good game. Utah has been awesome lately, so the Celtics are really gonna need to bring it. But they might be doing so short-handed. So uh, the Celtics, of course, as is tradition for this team in the Brad Stevens era, are perpetually injured. Uh, We have a couple of players that are sitting out right now and uh, have to think that that is affecting the team.
3: Thoughts on the injuries, fellas? Do we have, I feel like the only injury I'm kind of lagging in in terms of having info about it is Jalen Brown's. Like for some reason, I feel like I don't know. I mean, I know like it's, it's what is lower, about his, his knee. Right. But I don't know what actually happened. I don't know if you guys have anything to, <laughs> to Sounds, give to me.
2: They're being really, really quiet about talking about it in specifics and that's just generally how they are in the pressers. Uh, my impression, based on how they're talking about it, based on how uh, Stevens has been kind of playing it down in what doesn't really feel like kind of a stilted way, is just that he has been playing too much. I mean, he has considerably more, like 10% more minutes logged than anyone else on the team. And even at 24 years old, that's going to start to wear on your joints eventually.
3: Okay, I'll take it because I don't like, I don't like the quietness. I don't like it. The only time I like the quietness is when it's like around trade season and you haven't heard anything about the Celtics, and that's when I'm like, there's definitely something going on about the Celtics, but when it comes to injuries, it freaks me out. So I appreciate that. Doctor, we have a chance to, to throw that in there again. Not that kind of doctor. <laughs> Not that kind of doctor, but still hopeful.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's getting to be frustrating how little we've seen the actual Celtics start, uh, assuming uh, <laughs> they ever get on the court together, what the starting lineup would be. Uh, We we still haven't seen it together. It's just an incomplete thought. Um, So, Matt, I share your frustration, but I also – there's reason to think, why not just um, be careful with it and take your time. Um, But it would be really nice to know what uh, Walker, Tatum, Brown, Smart, and Choose Your Center look like together because it's been a long time. And Gordon Hayward is looking really good in Charlotte, and it's – we don't know how the Celtics look at a post-Gordon Hayward world, really.
1: Little salt in the wound there regarding the loss of the Gamer Gator. Um, yeah, no, I think, uh, I mean, unfortunately, this has just kind of been par for the course with the Brad Stevens era. Uh, you know, I, I feel relatively confident that when Jason, Kamba, Smart, and Brown are all on the floor, as Cam said, with the pick your center, I I do think that that is going to be a good team. Those four guys have really good chemistry together, and we saw it last year in the bubble run. Um, Cam, you kind of have been on the thread throughout this year of just trying to be as healthy as possible going into the playoffs and kind of punting on some of the seeding games um, and kind of determining seeds. So uh, with that in mind, how do you feel about – because, you know, based on kind of what we've just talked about, it sounds to me that Jalen Brown's injury sounds a little bit more like load management. So how do you feel about that approach to particularly the Celtics star players in a season where the Eastern Conference is really tight and one game can actually make a significant difference?
4: Uh I, I agree, Um, but I, I think... You know, the Sixers are bringing in new players to the fold. The Nets are bringing new players into the fold. Um, The Bucs are trying new things on offense. The Celtics, despite the injury woes, have a lot of consistency. So even in a season with limited practice time, they have less that they need to sharpen so much as they just need to be at their best when the playoffs come around. Um, So again, it would be great to see the core players actually play together. It would be nice to know what hiding Campbell Walker looks like on defense or if they have to face a zone, if they know what to do, but uh, Justin's right. Uh, Jalen Brown is young, but you can't take health for granted. So I really am not particularly interested. Uh, I hope that home court advantage is not a thing because that will mean the NBA is not allowing fans into stadiums too early, which by all accounts, I think it would be too early. Um, So low and slow, Uh, unless you make a major trade, spoiler alert, and uh, you have to work on some new things, I'm okay with a, a slog of a regular season, at least for the Celtics. For other teams, it's a little more complicated.
3: Cam, I, I agree with you there. And, like, just to add on to that point, so when we get to the playoffs, you know, I know we're we're going to talk about some, some trade stuff and how the Celtics have some roster holes, but if they're totally healthy going into the playoffs, that rotation is going to shrink anyways to, like, nine or – eight or nine guys, and they have their starting five and then have Pritchard and Thompson and Grant off the bench and trade for one other player. You know, that's actually a pretty tight unit right there. And it has – obviously, it has the star power, but, you know, if they're all healthy, that rotation shrinks anyways, and it kind of takes away some of those those roster holes just, like, through that process. So I'm on board with you. We just got to preach it out there to Celtics fans. Like, stay patient. Don't overreact, right? So speaking of rest, um,
1: you know, one thing that uh, a lot of players look forward to in the regular season, uh, players who are good enough to do so anyway, is the rest that they get uh, during the All-Star weekend. Uh, But there's some controversy about that right now. Uh, The league seems like they are ready to plow ahead with having the All-Star game in Atlanta this year, Um, and yet the league's... Iconic player LeBron James came out and said that he didn't feel particularly great about doing so. A number of stars have joined him, including Giannis Antetokounmpo, the presumptive heir to the throne for many. Uh, So how are we feeling about the viability of the All-Star Game in this COVID world?
4: Uh, I just want to hop in. I think Bradley Beal said it best. Uh, No disrespect to the All-Star Game, but it's a pandemic going on. I'll yield the remainder of my time. I think Beal said it
2: best. Yeah, I mean, what is there to add to that? I mean, they can't even do what they are supposed to be doing right right now, and they're going to take the most important players across the league and put them in a place where there's already fans in the arenas. Could we make a dumber move? I mean, I imagine we if we worked at it, but this sounds like it's up there. They should. I feel
3: like the people who get selected. Because they're, they're going to make selections anyways, um, they should all turn it down, and then it goes to like the next wave of talent, and then they should turn it down, and it goes to the next wave of talent, and that way everyone can like contractually say they made an all-star team.
2: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> at a certain brilliant. point,
3: We might suit up, you know. No I know.
1: This and is then... how we get Jeff Teague to the All-Star Game, guys.
4: <laughs> the technicality—it's beautiful. <laughs> brilliant. Well, isn't it... someone correct me if I'm wrong? Isn't the plan right now that it would be a five day all-star break
2: i don't know how many days but it's definitely not like a one-off thing yeah there's going to be multiple days to it as little as possible or whatever that pr yeah i is. mean
4: I, I guess it's there seems to be evidence that nba players like anyone else is unfortunately entitled to don't necessarily take COVID as seriously as i think everyone on this call would like them to so the, the, the argument that if you give them a week vacation, they're going to make bad COVID choices anyways is a really specious and paternal one, uh, or paternalistic one. Um, but at the same time, this season is so condensed, we're going to get injuries that wouldn't have otherwise occurred if you weren't trying to smush all these NBA games together. So having a short uh, all-star break also kind of rubs me the wrong way. I'm, it, there's no right decision here but i think there are worse decisions and it seems like the nba is barreling towards one that alienates fans and players but makes sprite and tnt happy and that's really telling yeah
1: um you know i have been thinking about this for a little bit and i gotta say i feel like the only reason that the all-star game is even on the table right now is that I think, I kind of think, and this is conspiracy theory, totally, you know, uh, it could be completely detached from reality, but um, I kind of think that Adam Silver might be tipping his hand about the vaccination status of some NBA players because I can't see a world where uh, the All-Star game could happen without players going into it and knowing that they are going to be vaccinated. I don't know, chew on that.
4: Well, it's also left kind of on the back burner and has been this for a year now. But great, it's great that LeBron's vaccinated. But what about the coaches? What about the assistant arena coaches? Workers. What about the trainers or the people? Oh, thank you, Jester. The people work in the arena. Um, I actually am not so against vaccinating all of the people that I just rattled off. At the end of the day, it is a small, small, small fraction of the number of vaccines that are put in people's arms every day. Uh, but my mom, who's a dental hygienist, it was really hard for her to get vaccinated. It doesn't seem like, it just seems like a PR disaster I keep, I've said this many times. I can't imagine how the board of governors or whomever doesn't think that, that we're all pissed about this. Maybe we're not all, maybe we're a bunch of angry old guys on a podcast who are pissing in the wind, but it seems like it should be a public relations nightmare.
1: You would think and yet In this great country, the almighty dollar continues to dictate.
4: Anyway, when we let Alex
2: host,
1: (laughs) we are now officially a communist podcast. Congratulations,
2: (laughs) Um, libertarian socialist. Excuse me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. We can get into that debate another time. Um, Anyway, uh, so let's keep moving on. Um, We do have a number of things to talk about. Presumably, uh, we're gonna get to some traded player exception possibilities in a minute. But before we do that, I want to take a moment to shout out on the Celtics road trip, something that I've noticed in these games and uh, something that will certainly impact the TPE conversation, which is that um, some of the Celtics young dudes have really been stepping up lately. Uh, In particular, Grant Williams has been shooting an absolutely scorching 45% from deep, playing great defense. He looks much more engaged. Uh, He's fighting for rebounds and generally seems like he's really found his stride after a tough start to the season. Carson Edwards has uh, significantly improved from my preseason projection. He's gotten to a point where he is now a viable nba rotation piece he's still got flaws in his game but uh i think he has proven that he can play in this league of course we missed him quite dearly when he was out but peyton pritchard came back and seems like he hasn't missed a beat uh i think in particular in the lineups with jason tatum those two guys have really great chemistry and uh of course we have to talk about the electric time lord robert williams who just makes everything more interesting the second he comes into the game thoughts on the improvement of the young dudes and maybe some other areas of the rosters fella
3: sure um so yeah you were definitely right about carson edwards i mean it's very telling that brad stevens throws him into the starting lineup you know like he i i took that uh i definitely maybe read a little too much into that but just watching him play like he looks more confident and I think we're still going to be looking for that string of games he has where it's maybe like eight games in a row where he's shooting the ball more consistently and maybe goes off one game for like 24 points, something or something like that. It's four threes. Um, But yeah, you can, you can rely on him. And I think for him and, and, and I'm still like workshopping this, I'm going to call it Jimmer for theory where like high usage guys in college, are that are undersized go to the NBA and it just might take them a while to find their stride if ever at all. And like we saw this with Shabazz Napier, with Trey Burke, um, with Jimmy for obviously. So I'm not giving up on him and um, I'm going to let someone else talk about Time Lord because I'll be on here for about an hour if I do. <laughs>
2: um, Rob, Rob Williams still, have, still is having, you know, I will say off games. I don't think they're bad games there. He's not making the like passing to nobody moves anymore for the most part. But he he does still have an occasional off game, but overall, he has become someone who really should be getting starts, at least with some matchups. And the construction of the roster, and we'll talk about this more uh, shortly, is kind of in a situation where both he and Grant aren't going to get the the run that they really deserve because they, they're fighting with each other for, for, for minutes, really, even though they're not even playing the same position because they're trying to make room for the other centers that they have. So long story short, um, I I do think that we are about to see something that opens up some minutes for at least some of these guys, but I don't know. I I was particularly pleased with Carson because, um, as I've said on the podcast previously, I I was not expecting him to have a role on an NBA team anywhere, and I feel really stupid for saying that now.
4: Well, I mean, it's the perfect segue. You want to showcase your bench players and your young players and boost their stats so heady front offices around the country can talk themselves into Carson Edwards being part of the rotation so uh, it's nice because we love rooting for these players Um, but at the end of the day it's something on the margins that probably doesn't matter unless Alex well funny
1: thing about that it actually might matter a little bit more than we think Um, If rumors are to be believed, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer Podcast Network has said publicly, and he's a person that is somewhat in the know about these things, that Danny Ainge is reportedly up to something. Now, of course, the Celtics this offseason generated the largest trade exception in NBA history in the Gordon Hayward sign and trade to Charlotte. Uh, So they have a lot of space to take in some presumably high contract, mid contract or low contract guys to their roster. And one would have to think that with the play of the young players lately, it's entirely possible that one of them or maybe a veteran could be at their position, could be moved to acquire a different player, which would in turn open up some room for other young guys. And maybe one of these assets as Cam mentioned is part of that deal. So we're gonna talk about the rest of those candidates, uh, go through uh, kind of on a bit by bit basis. Some people that we like for this traded player exception slot and uh, we'll see if any of them pan out. We're gonna start off with some guys that maybe are a higher value contract. Uh, What do we think, fellas? Who can the Celtics look to for help that might be on the more expensive side?
4: So just a point of clarity, and uh, Ryan Bernadoni did this over at the Winning Plays podcast and helped me check my math on this. Um, the TPE is worth <clears throat> 20, about $28 million, but um, because uh, they use the mid-level exception on Tristan Thompson, they're kind of hard-capped. So realistically, the in-season TPE is closer to $19 million, uh, depending on if they trade uh, a player like Green or Edwards they could probably get to 21 21 and a half million um, Importantly either way Bradley Beale doesn't fit into this so we, we're not going to talk about that um, and <clears throat> it's worth noting that they probably um, don't want to spend more than 15 million dollars or that'll <clears throat> push them into the luxury tax situation so depending on some of the players on our list, we have to ask ourselves if it's worth the Celtics. Uh, pushing further into the luxury tax or resetting their luxury tax situation for a season. That said, I'll let someone else talk before I reveal my big TPE uh, trade target, but um, we can suspend reality a little bit because I don't know if Aaron Gordon is worth money out of the ownership's pocket, but it's fun to think about so we can
2: suspend reality a little bit. Um, as a good follow up on that. Um, I've been beating the Harrison Barnes drum for a while now. I didn't get a chance to say last time he's got a descending contract, which is great. Uh, but in light of what Cam was talking about, it's only going to be realistic. I think if you send out either Tice or Tristan Thompson as some of the salary ballast, so you can get under the luxury tax. I, I just, I don't see them wanting to take on something that's going to be so costly and then have to jettison a bunch more, uh, potentially useful players, not very far down the road to keep things in a vaguely, I mean, who knows, maybe, maybe they're making a lot more money in the ownership group than I realize. but I mean, these are things that we need to think about. And, you know, particularly more recently, they won seven of the last eight games, the Sacramento Kings. So are they even going to want to trade him? Like what kind of a package are you going to have to put together to actually make them let go of him? It might be very, very onerous.
3: So I have another Orlando magic idea that I want to throw out there. And it kind of ties into this whole discussion about these young guys um, playing well. So if Carson Edwards plays like this, the rest of the year, you know, I don't want to say Jeff Teague wasn't already expendable. Um, I think a lot of Celtics fans are ready to move on. That being said, the magic like really needs someone who can play a little bit of point guard. And, they might be like the way their season is going, they might want to bring in just a steadier kind of player to help mentor some of the younger guys. Um, and I could see some kind of scenario where um, there is a Jeff Teague trade or they, it's just the TPE straight up for a guy like Terrence Ross, who is I think 29, six, um, six wing, still pretty athletic, a really good three-point shooter. I don't know if that's a name you guys have thought about or tossed out there. Um, But he's someone I really like.
1: Yeah, Matt, I'm actually all aboard the Terrence Ross train with you. Uh, I've been keeping my eye on him for a little bit. Terrence Ross is a guy that every time the Celtics play the magic, Terrence Ross is, he's hitting four threes guaranteed. It just always seems to happen. Um, He's a real offensive spark plug. You know, he's, he's probably kind of getting towards Uh, a a different phase of his career, I think it's fair to say. Uh, He's definitely not got the same otherworldly athleticism that he came into the league with. And defensively, he's never been incredible. But that dude can get really hot really quickly. And I think for a team uh, like the Celtics that will occasionally go through uh, slumps when Tatum is off the floor where the offense really doesn't look like they know what they're doing, Terrence Ross would actually be a really intriguing fit for this roster.
2: It's got more years in his contract too, which is I think another important thing. I really don't see them dealing for anybody with a large TPE. Anyway, we can talk about the smaller ones maybe, but for the big TPE, I don't feel like they want to set themselves up for a situation where they have to do a sign in trade to retain cap flexibility.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a few players on our list that <clears throat> make it really complicated to uh, sell just be for that reason the logistics are complicated. So your Aaron Gordon's, um, your Harrison Barnes, um, anyone again above that around $15 million range in salary is gonna get complicated. Um, <clears throat> Terrence Ross is under that. He makes $13.5 million this year, but then he's on the books for 12 and a half and eleven and a half the next two seasons. And I don't know. I don't know if having a tradable contract, I mean I think I've said this before. I think they paid Tristan more than he was worth so they can have a salary that's movable. Having another one of those on the books isn't a terrible thing, but that's only if you really think you're going to be in the works for something down the road. And I don't know if that's the case for the Celtics. Although Terrence Ross plus Tristan is a sizable chunk of salary. Um, it sounds like we wanna move on from the big TPE pretty soon. Can I offer my, oh, Alex, you have one? I just oh, want to I am say- the best one, so I should go last. I'm fine.
1: Um, So, you know, we've looked over this list. We haven't mentioned a couple of candidates, but just to throw out there, you know, I I don't think the Knicks are gonna be dealing Julius Randle anytime soon. Uh, I think the same is true of Jeremy Grant. Those are largely pipe dreams. Uh, Al Horford would take some doing. I actually think, ironically, a reunion with Al is not the craziest idea. He would actually be a really good fit for this roster and is familiar with the system. Of course, it would take a lot of work to get that cap number down uh, to a place where you could actually get him. Al is definitely expensive. But the real big TPE guy that I want to talk about is a player that has impressed me for many years, who I have been a big fan of for a while because he is the master of doing the little things. That's right, folks. I'm talking about Fad Motherfucking Young, who is (laughs) one of my favorite players in the league He's just been consistently very solid for a long time. He can pass, he can shoot, he can play defense, he can rebound. He's not the most athletic dude in the world. He's not the fastest. He's not the strongest. But Thad Young is an awesome veteran that I think
4: would fit really well on this team. He's also on a team that uh, he plays for Chicago, for anyone who's aware that might be willing to make a move. Do you know what his full name is? Thaddeus Thaddeus Charles Young Sr. Wow, he's like a duke or something. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, uh, Alex, I, I he's he's only 32 years old. I mean, he's he's been around the block, but um, I think we're. It sounds like we're all kind of underwhelmed with the front court rotation. And if Time Lord isn't going to get uh, meaningful, consistent minutes, why not bring in a veteran who? Uh, at least you can uh, perhaps rely on a little more. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty into that. And I think Thad would actually help develop Rob's
1: game in a lot of ways. A lot of the things that um, Thad is good at is stuff that Rob is kind of developing, like high post passing and uh, you know getting better at defensive rotations. There are areas that Rob can meaningfully improve in, and I think Thad would be a nice vet mentor for him.
2: I actually have come around to the idea of Larry Nance. I know he's injured. He just broke a finger. He's going to be out until about the trade deadline anyway. I don't really think that matters. Um, And you get most of what you get with somebody like a Harrison Barnes um, or a comparable player to Tavion, um, but with, again, a descending contract. And he's younger, so he fits the age curve a little bit better. Um, I would not be surprised if they make a run at him, to be honest.
3: I love both those names. Um, I have... So uh, both of those guys are actually incredible passers for their position, yep. um, and they both see the game one play ahead, which I I love. Um, with Thad Young, I forget the stat that someone threw out there. It's one of those you know you log on to Basketball Reference and you plug it in, you know, 800 minutes or whatever. But I remember the list being like him, LeBron, and like Charles Barkley. I just I forget the stat. But like if if you're on that list, that's that's pretty it's an good. Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I feel like we're just sharks circling a couple teams here like the bulls in the magic but no thad young would be a great help and then like one other thing that he does is he could he could start um, at the power forward position and like give Brad Stevens some flexibility with who he wants to start alongside him and push another player like he could push the marcus smart in theory to the bench um, and shore up that like the bench rotation, if you wanted to. So, and I'm not saying that's what Stevens would do, but it gives that flexibility if you do want to do that, which is awesome. And, and, and Larry Nance would do that as well. So I'm a big fan of those guys. Um, I think Dance is out for what, like four, four to six weeks, but still, I mean, I would do it. I would definitely do that.
4: Yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, Tice is just like German, Thad and young. I feel like they have similar games. Um and I think really the long play is are you trading for someone who radically transforms the bench um, either defensively or offensively or are you trading for someone who could potentially close playoff games? And I think Thad Young just, might be a closer to the latter. I mean, I could see either Tyson hurt or doesn't have it. I mean, Tristan never plays himself into shape that that could be your five uh, uh, in an Eastern Conference playoff game, and that's not a bad outcome now
1: we'll see some interesting names to watch uh, well i have but... the most
4: interesting name if you're ready oh, for it. oh oh
1: can, can you tell me what the most interesting
4: name is i'll tell everyone uh i'll shout, shout it from the mountaintops um so <laughs> it betrays a lot of things that i've already outlined as pragmatic and likely but whatever who cares um this is a player who makes 18.9 million dollars this season and 17.9 million dollars next season this is a player who uh ha- is the starting caliber uh guard which I think is important uh, as much as we want to shore up the front court, as much as a uh, wing who can shoot, it would be nice. Replacing uh, Jeff Teague would be good. And having a backup playmaker would be really nice. So I think that Danny Ainge picks up the phone. He calls his friends in Charlotte and he trades for Terry Rozier. Oh, I you
1: to see that. Please. <laughs> please.
4: That he would knows be incredible. We know he can ball in the Easter conference playoffs. Um, Weren't a it's lot a of s- touches, but... Yeah. I don't know that ownership goes into the luxury tax for Terry Rozier, but I can talk myself into it. And Holy I think there's some salary cap math that actually allows for that to happen without um, actually putting the Cs in the uh, tax position when Tristan- you have a tradable mm-hmm. contract. And LaMelo Ball is out of control. They don't need Terry Rozier at all. Um, Devante Graham is... On my list for the short little uh, TPE, but he's a, a serviceable point guard. They really don't need Terry Rozier. Um, so, Danny Ainge, if you're a Janos, if you're listening, there it is. Pick up the phone. Boy, would that
1: be cool? I think actually trading for Terry Rozier, regardless of the basketball fit, would be enough of a good vibe boost that you could plausibly see the Celtics just ride that all the way to the title. Jason and Jalen love that guy. Uh, and man, that would be freaking awesome. I'm all in camp. That sounds great.
3: Yeah. It's a great, great build up, by the way. In my head, I was like, who is he talking about? I was like, uh, I knew Is, I is it. it Gary Harris? Uh, <laughs> I Gary was like, is Harris. It? No. <laughs> I was like, is it Eric Gordon? I was like, what name is he going to draw out there?
4: yeah so that's it thanks for listening we'll see you next <laughs> uh, we have other tpe's to talk about but yes um and it's not my money to spend but i'd love to see it happen
1: speaking of those other tpe's so the celtics made a couple of other moves this offseason one of them was offloading ennis Cantor to the portland trailblazers uh, a move in which they burned the now starting sharp shooting guard for the memphis grizzlies desmond bain god damn it um to do so, but nonetheless, they did generate a $5 million trade exception as a result. And there are some kind of under the radar, sneaky, cheapo candidates that uh, might make sense for this team. Fellas?
2: Temple, Garrett Temple. He can play one through three, really more of a one or a two, massive upgrade, upgrade over Jeff Teague, uh, good veteran presence, probably gets my vote for the most realistic and useful the options i
3: also believe that both temple and jalen are like the representatives for the nba players association um which has the i don't know if you guys have ever seen those logos like in real life long story short i saw tony allen on a flight and he had like the nba player association backpack and i was like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen in my life um and then i asked him if it was i was like you look like tony allen that was my dumbass way of being like, are you Tony Allen? And he was like, oh, yeah, people say that all the time. And I was like, I know you're Tony Allen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> $20,000 watch. Like, I know this is you. And we were flying to Tennessee. But either way, um, that would be a great connection there. And he's definitely a good veteran presence. But what do you guys think about another bull, um, Denzel Valentine? I like it. The interesting calculus here is the Celtics don't have an open roster spot, right?
4: So, they have to cut green, who's Jason Tatum's best friend. They're not cutting kind of green. So, probably Carson Edwards needs to be cut if they just want to straight up absorb a player with the TPE or they're cooking up a trade. I don't know. I mean, he's he's been around for a while. He's a smart player, but it doesn't seem worth uh, burning this TPE, which in theory could be used in the offseason, um, compared to a few other players that I have on my list that maybe. Um, ratchet things up a notch so yeah, respectfully
2: there is a possibility though that multiple players get included in a larger deal opening mm-hmm. so
4: it depends also true. also true yeah
2: if we were getting
1: college denzel Van- valentine i would feel pretty different but uh you know his nba career has been to me uh, somewhat unimpressive so I'm, I'm not super into that move yeah um, yeah i have
4: a few uh Ranging from would never happen to uh, I, I can't imagine uh, how happy I would be if it did happen. Um, Kevon Looney. I don't, I don't know that uh, the Warriors would ever do this because Weissman is not ready and Looney is very good and probably could fetch a pretty high sum. The Celtics are an interesting position. Uh, I think Windhorse reported that only 15 teams this season or something like that can trade their first-round picks. Um, and I believe the Celtics are one of those teams. Um, so they have ammo that other teams don't have um, and a currency that is reasonably rare. Um, so perhaps they could hop in and get that done. Um, that interests me quite a bit. Um, and same, same, but different. Pat McCaw, uh, again, would be an interesting name. That I, Matt, it's kind of the same thing. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. worth kind of rocking the boat, um, but someone who has championship experience, for my money, I've said this before, the Celtics choked like dogs and against the heat several times in the fourth quarter, having someone with championship experience might be worth the price of admission. I don't know. And yeah. then I have, then I, again, I have the best one, but I'll save that until everyone has exhausted their inferior ones. Well,
1: to toss out, I guess, an inferior option, Cam. Um, one thing that the Celtics could do, you know, I, I definitely take your point that getting a vet, who can really help them uh, you know, in kind of crunch time, playoff situations is a meaningful thing. But another thing to consider is that um, this team is super young, their best players are super young and it might also make sense to acquire somebody who fits well on that timeline. Um, this one is a little bit more expensive than the $5 million TPE, but uh, would ha- with some other moves to open up space could be done. Uh, Frank Milikina is pretty buried in the New York Knicks rotation right now. Um, he doesn't have a lot of a role there. Uh, Alfred Payton is obviously starting, and they just acquired Derek Rose. Uh, Emmanuel Quickly is also the fan favorite guard for the Knicks. So uh, Frankie Smokes is riding the pine a lot. Um, you know, he's, he's a little bit one-dimensional. He's definitely not a great offensive player. But the Celtics problem this year has arguably been more on the other end of the court. And I kind of feel like a world where you run out lineups with Marcus Smart and Frankie Smokes uh, guarding the perimeter it would be really, really annoying for a lot of opposing guards. Something to consider.
3: I'm pretty into yeah, that. And,
1: oh, yeah, Cam, go, go ahead. I'm
3: sorry. Well, and, and just, just one thing to add. So, um, you know, the Knicks were never really sure what to do with him positionally. And – it kind of reminded me how during that Avery Bradley year when the Celtics wanted to make him a point guard and it just wasn't a good fit. Um, I feel like the Knicks have kind of done that with with Frankie Smokes. Um, but if you were to have a lesser offensive role where it's like, okay, shoot the ball when you're open, right, and play defense. You know, he was a guy coming into the league. You know, I, I can remember some – and these are my favorite columns of basketball, like the, the 10 Things I Love and Hate by Zach Lowe. Oh, yeah. I remember him early on uh, into Frank's career. He was like, this guy will make an all-defensive team. And it was something you could tell right away. So it might be one of those scenarios where he needs to change his scenery in just a totally different role. Um, but I like that as a flyer. I like that idea, definitely.
1: Dr. J, you look a little skeptical on that one. Thoughts?
2: Um, no, I don't have any, actually. I, I was <laughs> listening to the silence of who's going to talk next.
4: It's me, and I'm going to tell you who the most – important, uh, player that Celtics should target with their NS Cantor TPE is, um, Alex, you're, you're exactly right that despite how exciting it would be to bring on a, a veteran to win now, the Celtics window is much, uh, longer and thinking longitudinally is, is a smart thing for this front office to do. And so to that end, targeting a, a young player, not just to take a flyer on, but, uh, a diamond in the rough would make most sense to me. Um, so I think that, uh, this player who makes $4.1 million and is openly unhappy with his situation down at Atlanta. um, I think Mr. John Collins would look really good in Celtics screen, And I think that, like we said, the Celtics have their first round picks to play with, which is enticing. They'll need it. The Hawks have built this weird Frankenstein roster that doesn't make any sense. So why wouldn't they add Tristan Thompson to that? Uh, (laughs) I really think that John Collins ought to be traded and I think that getting him and his bird rights, uh, or rather his restricted free agency, uh, would be a pretty slick thing to consider for uh, the Celtics.
1: I think it's an interesting premise, Cam. Um, my my concern with John Collins has less to do with John Collins, the player, and more to do <laughs> with John Collins, the contract that he will be getting uh, this next off season. John Collins is got a really well-rounded offensive game. Uh, He can put up buckets on just about any situation. His defense has always left a little bit to be desired. And maybe that's a system thing. Obviously, nobody on the Hawks played defense. I think think it's banned by uh, Georgia or something like that. But um, it it is a little bit of a concern. And I do think, I mean, looking at next year's free agency class with uh, Giannis off the market, relatively weaker class than I think a lot of people thought teams are going to be bidding on John Collins teams are going to make a run at that dude and uh, if the Celtics match what I imagine are going to be some pretty big offers on John Collins that's a really expensive roster heading into the next few years so I I think it's interesting if you're getting John Collins you're getting him for the long haul Um, but that probably
3: means that you have to make some painful choices down the road it also brings up like an interesting and this is something that i go back and forth back and forth with a lot you know when we're looking at these candidates do you want to bring in someone who is going to diversify the celtics offense or do you want to bring in someone who can augment what tatum and brown do really well and i i really go back and forth on this a lot because like offensively john collins is incredible like a, He's a rim runner who shoots threes and does it really, really well, and he's getting better as a passer. Um, I don't know. I, I think right now, though, if you, were to, if you were to tell me, like, hey, I just got a Woj bomb and John Collins is going to the Celtics, I think I'd be more happy than, than like anything else, which is a good sign. So I'm, I'm on board with it for now. Definitely.
2: I think it depends on what we're talking about needs to go out and what kind of a risk it is. Because if it's like a if it's just like a first round pick, then I'm all on board because they're probably not going to use that pick anyway.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And he wants like he's getting like I think around like eleven or twelve shot attempts per game now, which is you know in theory workable, but just barely. And Does he want more? I mean, is he going to be pissed that he's in a new situation? Now he's looking at a long-term future if he has to re-sign with his team. Um, I don't know. Like, there is some, some potential for it to go sideways. But at the same time, you could also look at it as a way to get a really big trade exception again from his bird rights, which doesn't, you know, count against your salary. And now you have this other... Uh, year-long thing of flexibility where you can kind of like you have you have a whole bunch of different options that you could use it for, and if the cost is only a first-round pick, then I yeah I think it's it's probably good. If it's more than that, like it's a, a good player too or multiple first-round picks, then I'm probably out.
4: Well, uh, I, I hear your concerns and I mean they're not unfounded, of course. I actually, um, I have buried in my notes another. Uh, and his canter TPE candidate that I want to shout out that we don't need to spend too much time on. But Markeith Morris is out of the Lakers rotation. And he looks and quacks like the type of player that uh, is successful in today's NBA. So uh, we don't need to proverbially spill, spill too much ink on this one, but that's another name that I would consider, especially because, again, the Lakers are uh, running with a shortened rotation, and he, he really hasn't gotten much burn as of late.
1: Well, uh, we have even one more trade exception to talk about. Danny Ainge really went all in on getting as many trade exceptions as possible this offseason. season. Um, that is of course the trade exception generated by the now departed Vincent Poirier. Uh, it's about $2.6 million. I think I did that pronunciation right. but I'm not a French guy, Latin. Um, that being said, uh, we're getting a little closer to the bottom of the barrel here. But you know, we've been talking about some diamond in the rough candidates. Maybe we've got somebody kicking around down there. Fellas, thoughts about the Poirier exception and what we can?
2: Not gonna expire, to be completely honest. But if it doesn't, um, I think someone like Glenn Robinson III is someone who might be priable from Sacramento for you know, like a second-round pick. Uh, another guy that I was kind of interested in is Dylan Windler of the Cavs. Uh, they seem to be doing a little bit too good for that to be your realistic option now, but I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that. Anybody else?
3: I had a uh, Wayne Ellington. Now, I think he would fit into this exception. Um, he's like, I, so I, I, obviously we know he's a good shooter um, and he's, he's part of the basketball hall of fame for best nicknames because his nickname is the man with the golden arm and that's just that's great because it's not a usable nickname like you can't say that on the court you know what i mean like it's so i think that's unbelievable but so i was looking at his stats and he's 49 percent from three this year on like six attempts per game and wow really yeah it and i thought i misread it and like i probably did because i had a super long day but either way i mean he's someone who can play And the defense isn't going to be there, but he can shoot. And I don't want to sound like I study at the school of Bill Simmons podcast, but he's someone who can get hot for like one game. And, and, you know, maybe it's like a really tough Eastern Conference semifinals matchup and he hits five threes in a game like That's actually a feasible thing that could happen. So I like that. I mean, again, it's not like, gonna totally change the trajectory of a team, but I would be on board for that. Cool.
4: I like that a lot. Um I like that more than I have a few names. So again it's a it's a 2.6 million dollar trade exception, right? Um and then a player still needs to go out or get cut um because the Celtics have a full roster right now. But uh Devontae Graham again I mean I'd prefer Rosier, but he makes significantly less money and he's reasonably competent point guard um as is kendrick nunn i don't really know what's going on in miami uh i talked a big trusted miami game uh in the offseason and that doesn't seem to be panning out uh alex is emphatically against this idea but um i don't think it's an important enough idea to really give much credence to alex do you have anything you want to say oh uh i just really don't like kendrick nunn at all that, cool. that, that's, good point that's
2: well really argued <laughs>
4: <laughs> um and then the last one and i don't know what the price would be and I don't this is another team I don't know what they're up to but Lou Dort makes like no money at all um and I don't know how many first round picks is too many first round picks but Oklahoma City seems to be in the market for first round picks uh so perhaps uh that's something that could get done although I I imagine there's many suitors out there
1: um, I have a hard time seeing them parting with Dort. He's on one of the best value contracts in the yeah. league right now, and uh, has. I, I kind of get the sense from OKC that Dort is like a player that they consider to be a meaningful part of their future, at least for now.
2: Too. he's like 20. Yeah, yeah,
1: I, that would be really cool. Lou Dort is awesome, but unfortunately, I think it's going to be tough to pull that one off. Windler is interesting. I'm going to be totally honest. I didn't know who Dylan Windler was. Uh, until I looked him up just now and then remembered. But, uh, you know, to kind of go with the, again, this the Bill Simmons line of reasoning, if a tall white ginger dude hits six threes in a playoff game for the Boston Celtics, I mean, the fan base is going to lose their goddamn minds. It's so maybe Wendler is a candidate worth looking at. Um, One guy on this list that uh, I did not put on here, but that is interesting in a similar vein, sharpshooter, Kent Bazemore, who is quietly having a pretty nice resurgent period from behind the arc. Uh, I don't have his exact stats on hand, but he's definitely been playing well enough that the Warriors are giving him serious minutes on a team that is ostensibly trying to make the playoffs. Uh, Bazemore is a little older, but he's a really solid vet. Um, he knows where to be. He's been in the league for a long time. I imagine if he was brought in that he would be able to learn Brad Stevens sets pretty quickly. And uh, I think he could be a fun spark plug off the bench for when the Celtics offense is getting gross as it tends to do.
4: Yeah. And Alex, just to prove your point, he's averaging 15 minutes a game with golden state, which is far less than he's played in a long, long time, but yeah. Um... He's still shooting 44% from three and uh, turning in two assists a night, which is pretty good. Anybody else? Oh, I got. No. Uh, I mean, it's the Celtics. They're not going to make an in-season trade. What are we talking about?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is ultimately true, Cam. You know, we can can talk about this as much as we want. But at the end of the day, uh, Danny Ainge is the king of almost trading for players and then – having to explain why he didn't. So we will see. There's a lot to like on this roster, but there's definitely still some holes, and how Danny Ainge and Mike Zarin and company address that is going to be a fascinating development for this incredibly weird NBA basketball season. Any promos, plugs, stuff that we want to throw out there, folks?
3: <laughs> the usual. The you usual. Know Matt, tell tell the folks where to find you. Oh, you can find me um, at Matt Esposito underscore on Twitter. Um, so come follow and then three days later, unfollow me when I get too obnoxious. That's that's how it works. But I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, that's three days of your life. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It'll start off great. I'll probably, I'll do some Celtic stuff. I'll maybe talk about some like late 80s, early 90s sitcoms. And that's where I'm going to lose you. And that's okay. That's where we part ways and it happens all the time and it's natural and that's life. But (laughs) I appreciate uh, you guys having me on. Uh, It was fun. It was a good time. Yeah, anytime,
1: man. Thank you, Matt, for coming on. We appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that it's a very Zen experience what you're describing. So uh, (laughs) if you're looking for a calming kind of flowing portion of your life, follow Matt on Twitter. Um, Anyway, So you can find C-Lab, Celtics Lab Pod on most podcatcher apps. Uh, You got Apple Music, you got Spotify, you got wherever you listen to podcasts, C-Lab will be there. Um, Please make sure to subscribe as well. Um, We produce content. We're trying to produce it at least on a weekly basis. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, but uh, we are almost always going to be talking Celtics because we have very little else to do. And uh, if you subscribe, you'll get to hear all of our incredibly important thoughts. Uh, additionally, if you like what you hear after subscribing, please make sure to rate us in the app star. Uh, five stars is better than the other amount of stars that you could give us. So we'd really appreciate five. Uh, and if you have, of course, any deep and powerful complaints about the content of the show, don't write them in the comments and don't post them. Just keep hey, them- hey, Alex. Are yeah. we selling t-shirts? Are, oh yeah, that's right. We are selling t-shirts. So <laughs> another, another cool thing about uh, the Celtics Lab podcast is we have teamed up with our friends at the Off The Glass Podcast Network, uh, where you can find all sorts of cool podcasts, such as Brooklyn Buzz, uh, Access Pacers, and The Outlet, and many more. And one of the new things that the OTG Podcast Network is doing is selling dope t-shirts. Head over to the OTG website. Uh, to find more information about that. But if you want a customized Celtics Lab T, that is a thing that you can get. Uh, as always, if you are tweeting out our episodes to all of your vast army of followers, please make sure to throw on the hashtag CLPOD. Uh, and we will be here for the deepest dives with Celtics coverage. I'm Alex Goldberg with Justin Quinn, Camp Buffett And our special guest, Matt. Thank you for
0: listening. Bye.